up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, check out the links in the description of each episode to access our email, Twitter, website, and YouTube channel. But enough about the show, let's get into our next game. Into the Breach is the game for this week's episode. Into the Breach is a turn-based strategy roguelite. And some comparable games, this reminds me a lot of Dicey Dungeons. But it is a tactical game, so definitely some reminiscence of Other Side, Darkest Dungeon, and also a lot of arcade-type games uh, in a lot of ways. The game was originally released in February of 2018 on PC. And then in August of 2018, it came to Mac and Switch. And then finally, in July of 2022, it came to mobile, so iOS and Android. The game was developed by Subset Games, and they're a small team, I think just a couple people. But previously, they made a game called FTL, Faster Than Light. A lot of people know about that game. I have not known about that game, but definitely heard good things about this developer. And the game was published by Subset Games, so self-published. Really, really awesome to see that. The mobile versions, however, were published by Netflix. I think you could only access them if you had, like, a Netflix subscription or something like that. And there was some DLC that was released. It was the Advanced Edition, which is basically the normal edition now. And that was released in July of 2022 with those mobile versions. And it was a free DLC, and it added new squads, new weapons, new enemies, things like that. Always love when small devs send out free DLC. Such a really good love letter to fans there. And the game had a physical release through Fangamer in July of 2022, only on Switch. And this came with just the box, but in the box there, I think, was a poster, some art cards, some cool stuff. And there's also a vinyl soundtrack from Fangamer. That was released same time, July of 2022. It's a 4LP. The game was released with an MSRP of $14.99, and that Fangamer physical edition for Switch was released for $35, and the vinyl was $20. I actually just bought the vinyl. What a deal, $20 for that vinyl, 4LP. Runtime of the game, if you're just playing it through to beat the game, quote-unquote, it could take you maybe four or five hours. You could do it in one run technically, but I think you'd be missing the essence of the game. If you really dive into this game, you could put upwards of 40 hours, uh, really go nuts with this. I really think this is one of those endless play games. Me, I got this for $7.49 on sale on Switch, so I've been playing it on Switch, primarily playing it in handheld mode, and I've put in anywhere between like 8, maybe 10 hours Possibly a little more just in the last day or two for the podcast. And this game was recommended to me by my friend Zach, who is an avid listener of this podcast. 
Zach is primarily a Steam gamer, but he told me about this game and FTL. He's a big fan of subset games and the stuff that they make, as well as Ben Prunty, who does the soundtrack. Definitely shout out to my friend Zach, who we might actually be hearing from in one of our interview episodes to come. Stay tuned. Let's talk about the gameplay of Into the Breach. Let's unpack this because this is going to be pretty big here. But let's run through the basic structure. So this is a roguelite, essentially. So you're going to be doing runs with your squad. And basically the idea is that you take a squad, you go in, and you're trying to neutralize the enemy threats in four different regions, potentially. And then eventually a final stage will pop up after you beat at least two of them. And if you beat the final stage, you win the story or you win the game. Um, But of course, it's a lot more than that because you've got roguelike elements. You can unlock a lot of different things, different weapons, different squads. And there are reoccurring characters that kind of get brought back you unlock characters and you can kind of start them in a different run and then a lot of what you're going to be doing are these tactical strategy levels so let's start to unpack that and let's just start with the basic progression or loop as we've been talking about so the way that you start in the beginning of the game is you're going to get to the main screen and you're going to click new game and when you go to new game you're going to be able to select your squad and the difficulty level and if you want to add in the dlc ads that were recently put into this game but if it's your first time there's pretty much only one squad that you can choose from and we'll talk about how to unlock different squads and then when you start your game like i said you pick difficulty level so there's i think easy normal hard and then they added unfair i've been playing this on normal once you select all these things you jump into the map and the map is basically going to look like an overworld where you're selecting from different regions to go to and there are four different regions and they each have like a specific elemental type certain enemies are going to be there and they have different level mechanics because of those elemental types and as you're looking at the map you have like this cursor and you can highlight over the different regions and it tells you a little bit about what's going on in that region the environment uh, things like that also on the map screen you can look at your squad so if you uh, acquire other weapons or upgrades or stats uh, you can kind of manipulate things change things around within your squad again if you're just starting you don't really have anything and then at the top there should be a bar where you can look at different things that you've collected different currencies there's a power grid and we'll talk about what that means and so basically you're going to start by choosing one of the regions to go into and once you go in there you get a little exposition scene and then basically you'll look at a more zoomed in map of that region where it's split into basically these provinces that you can choose from to go into. Now, most of the provinces are going to be kind of blacked out because things get unlocked by progressing, by beating some of these levels. But basically, the first thing you're going to see is there's one province that's like an HQ, and then there are going to be a couple options that you can choose from to go into and do battles. And these are areas that are like already infested. So the ones that are unavailable will become available as you beat 
certain provinces. Also on the screen, as you're looking at the provinces to go into, you'll see which one of them is going to give you which rewards. So you'll see reward icons like a bolt, a star, a core, and these are linked to the different upgrades you can do to your characters and your mechs, and also the power grid. Again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Also in each level, it'll tell you what specific objective you can do to obtain the specific awards. And these are primarily bonus objectives. Like when you go into these levels, the main objective is to survive. But if it's like the final boss level of that area or of the game, uh, it's primarily going to be just kill that boss. And so when you choose to go into one of these provinces, that is the start of battle, and it pulls up a grid map. And on this grid map, you're going to see a lot of visual things. It's primarily an 8x8 grid, but you're going to see different terrains, different things like water or mountains or buildings that'll be on the map. And then you'll see enemies kind of appear as you come in and populate in certain spaces. Once you see all of this stuff kind of manifest and the layout of the grid is there, you will be able to place your mechs in sort of a tactical chessboard. Now you'll have like a restricted area, much like a lot of tactical games like Felseal, where you can only place your characters to start in that area, but you can pick among a bunch of different spaces. And when looking at your characters, your mechs, these are what you're going to use to battle and to move around and to perform different things. And so you have a squad, and your squad is kind of predetermined. Again, if this is the first time you're playing, there's really only one squad. But your squad is made up of three mechs that have different classes. Eventually, you're going to unlock different squads that have variations of different classes or new abilities or new ways to attack or get bonuses. But what's good about these squads is they always have a variety. So for example, if you're starting with one squad, it might have a melee, it might have a ranged one, and then it might have one that does more technical things or more scientific things. And these can be branded as ranged, as science, as tech, brute, or prime. So it's always a really good variety, but it's never like always the same three classes in different squads. As you look at your mechs, you'll see that they have different stats, different HP between the three of them, different speed or movement, how many spaces they can move, and then they'll have special attributes, like some can fly, meaning that they won't get submerged when they're in water, or some can move through water because they're so big. And then they're going to have different weapons that'll cause different attacks, and they'll all have one to start with, but these can be upgraded. You can buy more um, and sort of plug them in here. And the attacks are going to have different range, different proximity, different effects after they do damage. Some might damage one space, some might damage multiple spaces. And so when battle begins, you'll see in the top right corner, it says victory in five turns. So the main objective for most of the battles that you're going into is basically just survive. So you don't want it where all your mechs die, and you also want to keep spaces on the power grid. There's like six or seven tallies on the power grid, and you want to make it so that it doesn't go down to zero. But you also have your other objectives, like we've talked about, your optional objectives that you see on the menu. Now, battles are played in turns, and there's no timer, so you could really sit there and let the game sit and walk away, or sit there and strategize and look at a bunch of info. So I really like that. If you're a tactical role-playing game person, uh, this is right up your alley. But the way turns work is the very first turn, once you place your mechs, all the enemies will kind of move into position and ready their attacks. And that's typically how the enemy turn is always going to happen. And then after they ready their attacks, you will be able to take your entire squad's turn. So you'll have your three mechs so they can all take their turns and perform uh, whatever you want. And this is very D&D because your mechs can move first and then do an action or just do an action. So they can't move 
after they do an action. So we've seen a lot of games that play like that, like Chroma Squad, um, where you have to move before you take an action. And actions can either be attack with your weapon or it can be to repair that mech, which is basically just to gain back hit points if they've gotten hit. What's great about this game is this is tactical, full transparency, like you wouldn't believe. And if you're someone who loves tactical role-playing games, you're probably used to this, but I will say the level of transparency is so good in this game and so helpful, and it really makes it accessible. So the way that you're controlling things is you actually have like a mouse that moves across the screen. Once you get onto spaces on the grid, it's not like you see the mouse anymore. It's just like you're just moving throughout the spaces. But basically, you are allowed to go onto any tile and it'll give you passive information about like what's on the tile already whether it's a building whether it's a mountain and how you can kind of interact with that or what its deal is or you can toggle a button for info and you can get info on everything so all of your mechs if you want to do an attack hit the attack and then hit info before you actually perform the attack it'll tell you like how it's doing it or what it's going to affect in terms of tiles you can put it over enemies and it'll tell you like what they're going to do or like what their hit points are all kinds of things and what's really great is passively there's a lot of visual tells on the map so like i said the first turn the enemies are going to move into position and kind of get ready to attack what they're going to do is going to be shown on the map so it's going to show where they're going to attack what the range is how many spaces are getting hit and what the results will be to your mechs if they happen to be attacking them. What else you're going to see is if there are some kind of hazards on the field, like there might be mines or different things where if you highlight the mouse over it, it'll say this will explode if anything ends its turn here. There are also going to be hazards that are incoming, and they might be telegraphed by different spaces on the map, like some levels, if it's some kind of region that has shaky ground, there might be an earthquake coming, and then so you'll see at the beginning of your turn like these spaces are going to be affected by the earthquake or these spaces are going to get hit by lightning or a tidal wave is coming through here and again if you highlight the mouse over it it'll tell you what's going to happen there you'll also see spaces where new enemies are going to spawn like up from the ground and so there are a lot of things like that that are going to happen automatically some things like i said like the mines are going to get triggered if you walk over it or if you end your turn on it you or an enemy there's also going to be some environment interaction. So like I said, there are going to be different terrains like mountains or buildings or things like that. If any of these things are attacked, they're going to have specific consequences. So for example, if you attack a mountain, it'll actually like fall apart and you'll be able to walk through it instead of being impeded by it. If there's sand and it happens to get attacked, uh, what will happen is smoke will come up and any enemy that's in that space can attack. If it's a forest, it'll start to catch on fire and any enemy that ends its turn there will start to catch on fire and lose hit points and then you have buildings which is a major major deal because buildings are linked to the power grid if buildings get attacked they kind of have different amounts of hit points and they're shown by numbers and also the number of bolts that you see when you highlight over the building if a building gets attacked it can lose some of its bolts depending on how many damage an enemy does it might lose all of its bolts or one bolt depending on how big the building is but if a building loses its bolt or multiple bolts that comes off of the tally of the power grid at the top so there's only about like seven spaces so if you're at four 
and a building is about to get hit by an enemy, you might go down. And you want to keep that power grid up because if that goes all the way down, you lose. There's also something at the top of the screen called grid defense, and it shows you a percentage. And what that means is there's that much of a percentage chance that if an enemy or anything happens to attack a building, it can possibly resist the attack. So most of the time you'll see 15%. There is a small chance that if a building gets attacked, it will resist it and it won't lose any bolts and it'll keep your power grid intact. And obviously you're going to come across enemies. Enemies have a pretty strong variety. Uh, some are ranged, some are melee, some actually only exist to buff other enemies. And some of their attacks might be that they move and attack all in one turn. Some of them might like shoot in a line. Some of them might shoot and explode something on multiple spaces. Some of them might have passive abilities, like they might get next to one of your mechs and like wrap them up in web so they can't move. So you'd have to like kill that enemy or move it or something like that in order to free your mech. And then some of your mechs can get infected by some of the enemy attacks. So with a lot of this stuff, there is strategy and prioritization. So your number one priority is to keep your team alive and protect the grid. And then kind of secondary, it's like, okay, I also want to do objectives. And we'll talk about why objectives are important. But what's interesting about this game is there are so many specific moves or specific attacks or mechanics that have to do with mechs or enemy attacks or environmental things. Having that info tab and just in general the way the game is set up and how you're introduced to things, it's very easy to adopt anything new into your understanding. And I think that is such a strong thing for a game to have, especially a tactical game that can throw things at you and become extremely overwhelming very quickly. I don't think this game does that. So I'm not going to go through everything that you might see, but let's start with some of the basics. So moving enemies is something that you might want to do. And yes, you do. And you can do this by some of your attack effects. So for example, one of the basic mechs that you'll get in the first squad is a cannon that kind of shoots in a line. And if it hits an enemy, it moves it back a space. And then some of the other squads, you might get something that launches a boulder. And when it lands in a certain space, the spaces to the right and left of it push one space. So there are definitely different ways to move enemies. And so in terms of strategy, you definitely want to do this a lot because you can move enemies and really change the game. If you happen to push an enemy into water, like a water space, if it's not a flying enemy, it will automatically die. And that's something that if you played tactical role-playing games should not really be anything new to you games like fell seal arbiter's mark like you push enemies into the water and it does 999 damage so same thing here if you push an enemy into the water it'll die as long as it doesn't fly you can push enemies out of the range of an attack so if their attack is like shooting down one particular column and you just push them one to the right you might be able to make it so that their attack only hits a mountain or something like that and avoid any kind of damage and you can also do a lot of synergistic things like push enemies into attacking other enemies and that is really something that you want to do get kind of two birds with one stone there another strategy is blocking enemy spawn so like i said so some of the spaces will have this sort of graphic that shows that next turn an enemy is going to spawn out of there and the way that you block enemy spawning is by putting anything on top of a space that is going to spawn an enemy next turn now this could be a boulder that you throw and just sits on the space it could be another enemy or it could be even one of your own mechs now what's interesting about this mechanic is if something is on top of an enemy spawn space it will delay that enemy spawning that turn but it will do one damage to whatever is above it so it could be your mechs it could be an enemy 
It could be a boulder, and boulders tend to only have one hit point, so they'll kind of fall apart. There are definitely a lot more advanced things, like you'll see time pods that you can end your turn on, and like you'll get special items, or you'll find a pilot. You might need to repair if you do damage to your mech, if you're worried that they're going to die that battle. And then some advanced attacks, like you'll get chain attacks, or like I said, attack multiple spaces at once. So all kinds of advanced things that you'll see as the game progresses. Now we talked about there being bonus objectives. So the main objective is to basically just survive a battle, not let the power grid go down. But your bonus objectives are interesting because they're going to have things like protect this specific building for the battle or kill this many enemies in the battle. And so you also want to try and accomplish some of these because when you're done the battle, and again, the main way that victory happens is for you to last those five turns with some of the power grid left. All you have to do is last the five turns. You actually don't have to kill all the enemies on the grid. You can if you want, but at the end of five turns, they just kind of retreat. Once you beat a battle and are victorious, you'll go to a rewards menu. And at this rewards menu, the pilots for your different mechs will get experience points. And this is related to how many people were saved, which is essentially whether no buildings were damaged. And so if you get enough XP to your pilot, they'll level up and then they'll start to have their own particular passive bonuses. If you happen to accomplish some of the bonus objectives and obtain things like stars, these are important because they signify corporate reputation. As you're in a region, you are kind of doing objectives and building up reputation with the corporation in that region. At the end of defeating that region or clearing that region, you'll be able to spend those reputation stars on buying different weapon attacks or buying back power for your grid or buying upgrades for your characters that you can activate more abilities or more weapons or upgrade some of your attacks. Other things that you might get are bolts. These are going to get added to your grid. So if you're low on your grid and you're trying to choose another province to go to, you'll see the rewards. And so if you see like two bolts, you might be like, oh, I'm low on the power grid. I might need to go there. And then you also might get cores and these can be used to activate mech upgrades and what happens is you basically add this to one of your mechs and you can choose to use it on something whether it's boost a a mech's max hp or max movement or power up an attack or ability that they already have or activate a new one these cores are really good because you can actually swap in and out what it activates so for one battle you might want to upgrade someone's hp and then you might want to after you buy a certain attack you might want to power that attack for the next battle and then so after you go through the rewards menu on the victory screen you're basically going back to the region menu where you're going to pick a new province to defend and this will repeat until the boss of the region is open i think after you do like three or four levels it'll open up the boss one and you can only go to that Um, so you definitely can't go to every province in an area so i would choose based on the rewards that are given and what you need and then once you beat sort of the final boss in that region you go on to another region and then repeat and like i said you only need to get two of these regions cleared in order to access the final boss But if you do more of them, you'll have more chance to get upgrades or boost your HP and powers of your mechs and things like that. And then the final boss is basically just one tough level, like one tough province, a pretty long battle. So dying in this game. So if one of your mechs goes down to zero health, basically you lose the pilot. The pilot dies. But what's cool is that a lot of these mechs can go without a pilot. But the thing about pilots is that they provide passive bonuses or buffs, and it's all specific to who the pilot is and what they provide. But if you don't have one in and the mech is controlling itself, you won't have that passive bonus. 
There are time pods that you come across, and this is the main way that you're going to find new pilots. And basically when you find them in a time pod, you unlock them for the game. And then so that'll have consequences and effects on the main menu. If all of your mechs die or you lose the power grid completely, basically what happens is you have a game over. What's interesting is that you pick one pilot to save and start over with. Okay, and this gets into the themes and the lore of the game. But this is interesting because it's basically the only thing that carries over other than the things that you unlock but it saves what level that character is on and what bonuses they provide unfortunately there is a max level for the character so it's not like you can just keep using the same character i mean you could but there is a maximum that they level off at and so basically what happens is you start the game all over again and you bring back that pilot that you saved from your last mission you can start again you can choose a new pilot if you unlock someone with a time pod but basically this is kind of the rinse and repeat the roguelite aspect of the game. Now what makes this game really great is that there are achievements in this game similar to games that would list their achievements in the menu that are also like their trophies or their Xbox achievements or Steam achievements and whatnot. And so these achievements are basically you're getting awarded for accomplishing tasks in your run. And these are listed on the main menu. And so these are things like beat the game after clearing two regions or beat the game after clearing three regions or four regions or beat the game in easy mode or hard mode. A lot of trophy-like tasks. So these could be things that are kind of off the wall, like go through a whole region without taking damage or go through a whole battle without using this thing with this squad or something like that. And anytime you do one of these, you're going to receive a coin that you can spend on the main menu to unlock new squads. Now, new squads are amazing because they're basically new mechs that have new attacks, new abilities that have a new interesting balance and variety to them. Like I said, a lot of these squads are going to have like a melee person, a ranged person, and some kind of technical person or something like that. But the effects of their attacks and what they're able to do and how they're classified are all different. And the synergy between them is all different. But again, really fair and balanced. So this is really cool. Something else that you unlock is to customize a squad. So you can pull like different things from different squads. You can really go crazy. I think this makes the game have endless replay value because there are so many different ways that you can attack this run you can customize your squad and you can really see how different things get put together um, and really upgrade your mechs while going through this game Let's talk about the vibe of this game. And let's start with the visuals. 
So this is primarily pixelated, but it's really a dark, gritty pixelation that you see most of the time. Like your mechs are made of metal. There's a lot of artillery-like structures that you see. The sprites that you see, they're very simple and effective, the sprites. You will see the busts or the facial outlines of your pilots, kind of like in Star Fox, like whenever they're talking or, you know, whenever you're looking at the character to make a move or an attack, which is like a nice still animation that's pretty detailed. With that dark grittiness, like the metallic artillery coloration, there's a lot of contrasting color pop, especially with enemies and their coloration. Like some of them are really bright purple or green or pink in some of their spots. And also the elemental environments are really nice and detailed, like the snowy environment or the desert environment or the greenery. Like you can really see those colors and sort of those textures coming through even in the grid-based map. And something that's really good is the map and the grid indicators, like where your cursor is, like there's outline in yellow or pink, depending on what space you're trying to highlight or do an attack on, or when you're trying to see how far you can move a character, like the highlight of the spaces or the grid that they can walk on. It's really impressive how a lot of these things overlap and communicate. Looking at your movement, like it's obvious when you've clicked on a character and you're seeing how far they can move just by how the colors blend with the map or kind of raise up above. And in general, the menus and the info, it's so helpful. It's really simple in terms of like the words, like it might highlight keywords, but a lot of it is short phrases that pop up. And if you're looking at one of your mechs and the move that they can do, if you hit the info button when you're trying to do that attack, it'll show like a small video of the mech doing the attack and like where the trajectory goes what it does to an enemy it's really detailed i feel like it is so intentionally efficient for how it displays things very straight and to the point this is the info you need anytime you hit that info button it's giving you exactly what you need about that thing and no more no less and i really appreciate that from a visual standpoint in terms of audio, the music in this game is amazing. And there's a vinyl for $20. I jumped on that as soon as I started listening to this music. Just a really incredible deal. There's just something about the vibe here. It's futuristic, but it's contemplative. And there's this direness, and you can feel it. It's very eminent. What's interesting is the contrast between like some of the you know simple instrumentals. It's like strings are kind of being plucked. And then there's this underlay that comes in of violins and cello. It's really beautiful. I love the synergy there. It feels so warm, so heartfelt, and yet so somber and longing, especially when you think about sort of what's going on in the story. And in terms of the story, the setting, the themes, right from the beginning of the game, humanity is dead. That's the first thing that pops up, the first thing you see. You see this mech standing there, and this signal is saying humanity is dead. And then you see this pilot say, well, I guess it's time to go back into the breach. Let's open open up a portal and he goes back in time. So the idea is that there's time travel to repeat this final stand of humanity against these enemies that are called the Vec. And that's what you keep repeating because you keep trying to make sure that it goes right. And when it doesn't, it's like, oh, we got to try it again. So it's almost like a simulation, but it's a time travel thing. It's really interesting, really cool. And so the different regions are actually like corporations. And when you get sort of that scene in the beginning, it's like a CEO kind of telling you in terms of exposition, what's 
what's going on and what they need you to do. And then you have some small things that come across, like the time pods that'll shoot into a grid that you have to pick up, and they'll have pilots that are in from past tries. It's just really interesting, especially with the state of humanity at this point. Like, you've got really advanced technology with these mechs, all the different things that they can do, and the enemies are like these giant bug-like creatures. It's just such an odd reality of the future of what went wrong with humanity or how these things came about. And I know it's a bit of a common time travel story, like it certainly reminds of a lot of different movies at that time, but I think the simplicity of the scope works really well, like we're just focusing on that last stand, it's not like we're going back hundreds of years and trying to figure out what caused this, it's just like you're kind of in this day after tomorrow, like repeating cycle, and it just focuses on that, and I really, I really think it does the game justice. Let's wrap up the conversation about Into the Breach. This is such an amazing game. It's so full. It's so endless. There is insane replay value with this game. All the different ways that you can combine, customize your squads, unlock different squads, check out different abilities and weapons and tie them to different mechs and unlock different pilots and the passive bonuses and try to level them up. Really interesting. I just, I love the variety in this game. I love the different ways you can strategize, the different challenges you can put up to yourself. Like it definitely has an unfair mode now. I don't know why anyone would do that. I feel like that's, you're just asking for punishment. I think this game was a nice challenge on normal and made me feel accomplished as I was going through. And I just love the customization, how you can customize the way you want to play. I think it's just, it makes it so accessible. And on the topic of accessibility, this game is so transparent. Visually, with the menus, with the information, it is so helpful, yet so artfully efficient with how it helps you. I feel like the way it displays things, how it gives you information, it makes it so that when something new is introduced you you're ready for it even though you haven't seen it before it fits right into the mechanics and it just makes another way that you can strategize your turn in terms of value $15 MSRP for this game that's insane the value here is insane we've talked about a lot of games with an MSRP of 15 compared to this the value is just not the same. This has so much packed into it. It's such a great value of 15. And I got this for $7.49. That's robbery. That is absolute robbery. And I know this game is only on Steam and Switch, and that's going to hurt a lot of Xbox and PlayStation listeners. But I really like this game, especially on the Switch. I feel like in handheld mode, I think it works really great with the touchscreen and moving the joystick over the grid. I don't know if it would feel more cumbersome if we played it docked. So I didn't try that, but I really think this works well on handheld such an incredible game shout out to my friend zach for recommending this game big fan of this studio he is and i can't thank him enough and hopefully we'll get to talk to him soon but incredible game i highly recommend it all right that's gonna wrap it up for this episode 
Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.